0: You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. I'm glad you are here at our 9.30 service. We're going to celebrate baptisms later today, which is awesome. Let me, let me just give... You guys have one unique announcement this morning, so you guys are special. Here's a unique announcement. We need 50 to 100 of you to come to 8 o'clock service. And so if you want to have extra reward in heaven... Now, in all seriousness, this is by far our most busy uh, service. Uh, we're averaging around fourteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 people in the room on a Sunday, and and usually about 760 of them are from this one service, which means the only uh, I mean, it is a little less, about 100 less at 11, so you can slide to 11, but the, the place that there's the most space where we have about 400, 500 seats still available is at eight. And I know that may be challenging if you have young kids, I understand, but it would be really great if some of you would be like, hey, we're up anyway, we're just watching the news or whatever, that you would slide into that eight o'clock. That would help us out tremendously. Not because, again, we want to open space for folks to come. We want to reach more people. And so the only way to do that is to provide space. that Most likely a guest is not coming to eight, but just not. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I don't even want to be at eight, to be quite honest with you. So I know a guest doesn't want to come to eight. So... Uh, Just that's an ask. You pray about it with your family. If if it works out, great, praise God. If it not, we'll continue to plug along. Hebrews chapter four. All right, today we are going to talk about rest. And I got to move because we got baptisms, and I got the most second most challenging passage in all the book in thirty minutes. So here we go. Everyone desires rest, and everyone has something that to them is rest. For you, rest may be the golf course or the boat. For me, rest is our lake house. Our family has a lake house since 1960s. My grandfather bought it. It's a place where I go. It's not fancy. It's not even nice, but it's rest. I go on the dock. I read Harry Potter and I do nothing. And yes, I read Harry Potter. And no, I don't, I'm not a witch. Okay, so just, but I just go and I do nothing. My kids are of the age that vacation is actually vacation. I know some of you, it's not for you. And I get that, right? You need, your, your rest is, was once kids went back to school, get it. I've been there. But for me, I go to the lake, the kids can do whatever. I'll take them on the boat, but it's rest. And that is something that is wired into us, that God has created us for rest. Yet rest, at least the rest that we're gonna talk about in Hebrews 4, in our culture, in our world is elusive. It's elusive. We are restless. And so the, the main idea for today, here's it is. If you're gonna fall asleep at some point in this shorter sermon, here's what you need to know. God has rest for his people, and he doesn't want you to miss it. How do we miss it? How do we not miss it? What is that rest? That's what we're going to talk about in Hebrews 4, all right? And we're going to move at a high level because this is a very, if I'm going to read the text, you're going to be like, I didn't get a word there. I understand. This is the second most challenging text in this book, and Hebrews is the most challenging book in the Bible. So if you're like, I don't get it, this is why I'm praying that God would use my PE training To get the cookies on the lower shelf So you just understand the big picture Because the big picture is simple Even if getting there is not If you're a guest with us Real simple We've been working through Hebrews Which is a book to a group of Jewish Christians Who have decided that life following Jesus is too hard So they're going back to the Old Testament law Right Which is not good And the writer is saying don't do it Jesus is better than the angels The prophets, Moses We're going to see Aaron, Melchizedek All these other things And it's dangerous Don't do it And this book has five warnings to these people in it. And we're going to look at the second one today. We looked at the first one in chapter two, don't drift. The second one is don't miss God's rest. And so what we need to do is define what rest is, and then we'll look how we don't miss it. And to define it, we're going to have to jump around a little bit. But let me read the entirety of our text just to make things even more confusing for you. And then I'll kind of try to high level it and explain what he's talking about. Verse one of chapter four. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying, through David, so long afterward, and the words already quoted Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Clear as mud. <laughs> he mentions rest in this chapter 10 times, two times in the previous chapter. But, but what he does is he is going to choose certain events in human history and kind of use that as a metaphor for rest, all to get you to the point of, well, the rest that he is speaking about, that God is offering. And so let me kind of high level what this rest is, because it's related to this, but it's not this. And it's related to this, and it's not this. And it's related to this, it's not this. And then we'll look at our applications, which come along along the lines when he says, let us, let us, or we must, right? Same idea. Those are going to be our applications. But let's talk about rest first. What is rest? How does he... uh, kind of try to illustrate it. Well, his first illustration of rest came at the end of three and in the beginning of four, where he talks about Israel trying to get to the promised land. And we looked at it last week. They get to the cusp of it. Two of the spies come back and say, let's go. And 10 of them say, they're too tall. Can't do it. They believe the 10. God says, fine, you wander for 40 years. And he says, I swore to them they would not enter my rest. So rest in that context is talking about the land of Canaan. This is what he said in Deuteronomy. The Lord will give you rest from your enemies. That's the idea they had. So for this first idea, somehow rest that God is offering you and me is related to the land of Canaan. It's not the land of Canaan. It can't be the land of Canaan. Why not? Because it says in verse 8 of chapter 4, Joshua, if Joshua gave them rest, God would have spoken rest later on. If you know the story, yes, they wandered for 40 years, but eventually they make it in the land and Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. And he goes in and they conquer the land and they're in the land, but yet there's they still don't have rest. Joshua didn't give them rest. And then later on, a couple hundred years later, David is still talking about this elusive rest in the psalm that we looked at last week, Psalm 95. Since it remains for someone to enter it and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again, David Said long after, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, they will not enter my rest. So David is still talking about this elusive rest hundreds of years later when they're already in the land. And it really is the greatest time of Israel ever had, the golden years of Israel, when David is on the throne and they're in the land. So my point is this, the land is related to rest, but it's not the rest. It can't be the rest. And I'll show you how it relates in just a few minutes. So that's the first illustration he tries to get us. The second one, he goes all the way back before that to creation, which becomes even more confusing to me. All right? He says, We have believed, we who have believed enter that rest, as he, God said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For it, he has somewhere spoken on the seventh day. I love it. he has somewhere spoken. This dude knows where he's spoken. You know where he's spoken. Genesis 1 and 2, everyone knows where he's spoken. But he's, he somewhere spoke this, that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And then again, in this passage, you shall not enter my rest. And the idea is this. Somehow this rest that God is still offering us is related to the rest that God did on the seventh day of, of the creation week. You're like, how does that work? Ah, yeah, I know. But the idea, let's kind of pick it apart God resting on the seventh day A couple thoughts there Number one, when God rested It doesn't mean God got tired Man, it's a busy week Created the whole universe That was a lot I haven't had a nap in about a million years Let's just rest That's not the idea God does not get tired He does not get sweaty pits He doesn't get any of that, right? He is not go weary So he rests for a reason And the word rest doesn't mean actually sleep It means cease He ceases Right? He, he's, he's done. So when I tell my boys, go cut the yard, and they go cut the yard, and one of them edges, and one of them weed whacks and one of them blows, and one of them cuts, and then I will go afterwards because they are teenagers, and you have to go behind the teenagers, right? I will go and check, and I will look up. Oh, you forgot the weed whack around the little sign, up oh, the tree, and, and I will say, no more, no resting yet. Get your tails back out there and finish. That's what it used to be. But actually, they're so good now that I'll go out and check, and it's perfect, and I'm like, y- you're done. you cease that's the idea. God ceased. He creates in six days. He looks at it. It's good. 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 good. And he ceases from his work. Why? Because it's good. There's nothing else to do. I'm like, he didn't be like, oh, I forgot the giraffes. All right. Everything was perfect. So he ceases. Right. And understand this, that that's supposed to somehow point us to rest, which means that from the beginning, God has been about rest for his people. He rests on the seventh day. He created man on the sixth day. That means man's first day was a day of what? Rest. Right? His first day ever. What am I supposed to do, Eve? What are we supposed to do? Today we just rest. It's on the chore chart. Rest. Rest. It just shows that God's intent from the beginning has been rest. And then, so another idea here, so, so our rest, whatever it is, is related to the creation and, and resting from works. It's related to the land. And also, he says, it's, it's also somehow related to the Sabbath. So then, he makes an application, there remains still a Sabbath, a ceasing rest for the people of God. Whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works. The Sabbath was supposed to be this blessing to people where they could enjoy God. Somehow, this Sabbath that God is offering us, this rest, is related to the original Sabbath, right? And the original Sabbath was created for Adam and Eve to enjoy and enjoy God. Uh, And what happens? They blow it up. They sin. And instead of enjoying rest, now, ever since Adam blew up Eden, I said Eve earlier, he didn't blow up Eve, he blew up Eden. (laughs) Ever since that whole thing happened, people have been Restless, not rest, right? There is, is, is the, you know, the philosophy, there's a hole in your heart Okay, it can be filled. All these, all these statements, the idea is we try to fill the restlessness of our soul with stuff. Why do people get addicted to whatever? Drugs, pills, alcohol, porn, food, fill in the blank. It's because there's a restlessness that they're trying to fill in their soul. That's what's going on. No one says, I want to destroy my life with meth. Let's try it. No, there's a a restlessness and they're trying to soften it, trying to fill their heart. with. Some of you are filling it with money, with career, with Instagram likes, with social media, this. And you're just striving for rest in all these areas. And that's because Adam blew up Eden. I keep wanting to say, because that happened. And so there's been a restlessness, even though God's intent was not Restlessness. Ever since the beginning And so somehow this rest that God is still offering Is related to creation order It's related to the Sabbath rest It's related to the land And and you got a big big picture We could go deeper Where does it all come together? Where where do all these things relate? With the staff this week I did it in a Venn diagram Here, here, and here Where does it all come together? It comes together in the same place The book of Hebrews comes together It all comes together in the person and work Of the Lord Jesus Christ Right? That's where it all comes together And you say, well, I don't get that. How is the land of Canaan in Jesus? Here, let me explain to you. Who led the people of Israel in the land of Canaan? Not rhetorical. Somebody answer. Joshua. That's right. Yeshua is the Hebrew. What's Jesus' Hebrew name? Yeshua. What was Joshua? Joshua was the replacement for who? Moses. What is Jesus the replacement for? Moses. So what did people do? They had to follow their leader, Yeshua, who means Yahweh is salvation, by faith. With no weapons in their hands, by the way. They've been walking around for 40 years. they got to walk by faith. They come across the Jordan River miraculously. As soon as they step into the Jordan River, it miraculously dries up. And they walk into the land and they go to battle. How do they fight the first battle they ever face? They do nothing. They just walk around. They call up the marching band, which is the last person you would have get into the fight early in high school, right? It's the marching band. But the marching band walks around for seven days. And on the seventh day, they go, yeah and they yell and God wins the battle. And then they go into the land and they fight the battle and God gives them victory and victory as they obey until they finally have peace. So, how's that relate to Jesus? How did you it's your life that you follow Yeshua, Yahweh is salvation. He takes you through the waters of baptism, by the way, which we're gonna do today. And then you enter into this land where he gives the victory and you fight the battle by his strength and eventually one day he will give you peace and rest. It's just a shadow Of the rest, this land is just a shadow of the rest that God is offering. That's one piece. What about the creation piece? God rests from his what? Work on the seventh day. How do we enter into God's salvation, his rest? By doing nothing. By resting in what? The finished work of Yeshua, of Jesus. If you're here thinking, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to give money, I'm going to do this. You cannot earn your way and work your way to heaven. You couldn't work for a billion years and on your way there. You have to do nothing. It is by grace, through faith. It is a gift of God. It is not a result of works so that you can't say, I did it, I got there. You have to rest like God rested in the finished work of Christ. So it's related in that way. What about the Sabbath? Adam blows up the Sabbath that was supposed to be rest. It was on the seventh day. So what does God do? He has a new Adam, a second Adam come, who doesn't blow it up. And then he has a new, quote, Sabbath, although it's not the same, but it's related. It's not on Saturday anymore. It's on the first day of the week. Why? Because he went into the grave and he came out of the grave. And now in honor of the resurrection and the redemption of who? The Lord Jesus. We celebrate on the first day of the week, his resurrection. And so all these things point to Christ, who is the one who says in Matthew 8, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and restless and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn from me. Why I'm gentle and I am lowly in heart. And here's what he offers: and you will find rest for your soul. The rest that the writer to Hebrews is talking about, that's related to Canaan, that's related to the seventh day, related to seventh, is rest for your soul. It's not rest at the lake which is fine. it's not even rest in the middle of of troubled circumstances, which God does offer. This is the rest for your soul, which is the most important rest. And it's the only rest that ultimately matters. It's the salvation of your soul, right? That is offered by the triune God, the father who offers you salvation through the blood of the son being sealed by his spirit. He is saying, here is my rest. Don't miss it. It's rest for your soul. That's what it is. So that's defining what rest is. Now let's look quickly at some applications from this rest, because he gives three. A let us, a let us, we must. Right? That, that's where he goes in this passage. And the so first one is in first one. It's probably the most important. So if you get none of the others, get this one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, and it does. Why do I know that? Because you're alive. And as long as you are alive, the promise of his rest still stands, the promise of salvation. The moment your heart stops and your brain starts, that, that, that offer is done. It is too late. It is appointed for men to die once and then comes judgment. So right now, as you live and breathe, the offer of entering his rest still stands. And so here's the application. Let us fear. And some of your translations, the NIV says, be careful. It's not a good translation here. right? Be careful is... Be careful when you drive, honey. Let us fear is watch out for the truck. That's the difference between let us fear and be careful. This is watch out for the truck. It's it's not the Greek word that means reverence or all. This is let us fear. And it doesn't mean we should be walking out of here fearful. Am I really a Christian? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, ultimately, we should be afraid that some of you think you're in and you're not. Let us fear that some of you you would would fail to have reached God's rest, rest for your soul. The point is, this is a serious deal, y'all. This is a warning. It is not to be taken lightly that the most terrifying words in all the Bible are found in the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus himself when he says to many who will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we serve in the nursery, give money, go on a missions trip, I was a member of this. I got baptized. I walked an aisle. I fill in the blank. I did my quiet time. I did this study. I did BSF. I, many will say to me in that day. I did, I did, I did. And he said, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never what? Knew you. I never knew you. Which is why the rest of ceasing to do and trust comes into play. Right? It is a serious thing. This is why the Apostle Paul. I mean, and, and I like the New Living Translation on this verse. It says, "We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fall and not, not experience it." That, that's we got fifteen hundred people coming through on a, on a weekly basis. Jesus says that the wheat are going to be with the tares. I don't want anyone to hear those words, y'all. And if you do, it cannot be because I was not clear with the gospel, or any of us that we are not pointing you to a Christ who was crucified for you. Rose again for you, faith alone, grace alone in him. And so Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test. And so the application, the let us fear, you know what it is? It's very simple. It's we must believe. It's faith. It's not... Get involved in a community group. Oh, that's, a, that's good. It's not, be faithful member of CBC. That's really good. Give your money, serve, pray. It's not that. It's you must believe. Verse two, good news came to us just as to them. Go to the next slide. my thing not working. There you go. Good news came to us. Gospel, literally, is the Greek word. Evangelizo. Good news came to them. What was the good land? You can get in the land. Good news came to us. Christ crucified for your sins in your place. Rose again. Good news came, but they did not benefit. Why? Because they weren't united with faith, with Moses, Joshua, Caleb, the ones who believed. They didn't believe. They knew it, but they didn't believe it. So you can know all the facts and not put your faith in the facts. It'd be like someone who's like, my favorite restaurant is Applebee's, which if that's the case, then... Really, we got to talk, but let's just assume that you love some Applebee's. And so you're like, I, mem- I got the menu memorized Monday. We got potato skins on sale on Tuesdays, Taco Tuesday and Wednesdays, Mahi Mahi, and blah, blah, blah. And you can unpack the menu, and I ask you a question. Well, what's your, what's your favorite thing on the menu? Well, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I've never eaten here. I just love the menu. I've memorized the menu. It's, I can tell you everything about the menu. Well, how dumb is that? <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're not going to eat? It's the difference between belief. About and belief in. Yeah, you can tell me about the menu. You can re- recite the Nicene Creed and tell me what the book of Hebrews is about. Do you know Christ? Right? For we who have believed enter that rest. Underline that. We, the writer, who believed have entered that rest. As he swore my wrath. They're not going to enter my rest. Why didn't they enter? Because of the unbelief. Even though Christ rested and he offered this rest from the beginning. The idea is here. Here's the simple question. Have you believed? Y'all. In, not about. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you looked at the cross and said, that was for me. I am a sinner separated by grace. This is not just some good guy misunderstood. He was crucified and killed because I am a sinner separated from God. He took the wrath I deserve. He rose again and he is coming again. I have taken his yoke upon me. I am learning from him. Have you done that? And if you haven't, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. That's what he's saying. Don't harden your heart like they did. Don't stand at the river and thinking, man, those guys are tall. No, today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Take his yoke upon him. Right? That's, the entirety of the Bible is pointing to that. So in Genesis 1 and 2, God wants you to have rest. He tells you the way to rest in Genesis 3, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That's Jesus crushing Satan. It's all about finding rest in him. Even Revelation talks about after we're done here, we can rest. That's what he's been talking about. Don't miss his rest. You must believe. And then there's two more things, real quick. Yeah, real quick. Verse 11. Let us, again, there's another let us. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. This is a weird statement because I think about rest. How do I strive to get to the lake? You know why? It's, I don't go to the lake more than I, I want to because it's, it's a long way away. It's like four and a half hours. It's, I got to go through Swainsboro and Wren and Thompson and all these places that no one really goes to anywhere except Dollar General once a month to drop off their surplus, you know, whatever. But it's hard to get there, but I want to get there. And, And the idea here is not, you have to work for your reward. That's not the idea. But the idea is this, some of you treat the gospel and salvation like fire insurance and it ain't that. Oh, I can, now that I'm saved, I just sit in my little spiritual chair and drink my spiritual mint juleps, and I just kind of enjoy life until Jesus takes me. That's not Christianity. It's just not, right? And it never has been, right? Yes, we believe in grace, absolutely, right? But... But, but Paul says, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for, we work it out. He says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so we must, in this, in this journey that God has us on after we have believed, we got to be diligent, right? That, that word spudatso, I love it, the Greek word, let us strive. It's translated elsewhere, make every effort or do your best. You know, you tell your kids and they're taking a test, do your best. That's the idea. You're not going to be perfect. And you're not earning God's favor. You're not, he's not like, oh, you fall short of the gospel. No, no, it's no, you ought to do, your, do whatever you do in word or deed, do all things in the name of the Lord. That we're walking in a manner, we're being the church not to earn God's favor, but in light of God's favor that's been lavished on us. Because grace is awesome, but some of us, let's be honest, some of you abuse grace. You know, you know, on the two scales of the church, some of you grew up in a legalistic church that if you danced or played cards or saw a PG movie that you were going to hell. I mean, if you didn't kiss dating goodbye and you weren't homeschooled, man, you were, were a pagan. pagan. And, and, and that's, that's not, not our church. church. We, we swing the other way, if I'm, promise, if I'm honest, where some, some of you aren't dealing, aren't dealing with your junk because God will forgive me. God will forgive, forgive me. me. And, and that, that ain't, ain't the gospel, gospel either. either, right? right?
1: Should, Should we continue, continue to sin, sin that and grace may increase? may increase? May it never
0: be. And, and so, so, yes, we, we are, are forgiven so that we will walk in righteousness. In righteousness. And, and when, when we, we fail, fail, we can confess, confess our, sins, our sins. But it's, but it's not so, so we can continue to, to just sin, sin, sin. No, we've got to be diligent. Peter uses the exact same phrase in his second letter. For this very reason, make every effort spudazzo. Do your best to do it. Do you supplement your faith? He's saying he's not going to take away your faith. Faith is the foundation. Now add to your faith knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness, and brotherly affection, and love. And stack it on there. That's being diligent. That's what he's called us to. And you know that you're a follower of Christ when you were doing this. It doesn't make you a follower of Christ, but you know because your fruit is good. you are being a doer of the word, right? And so I think some of us need to think through, hey, I I walked an aisle. Why do you think we don't walk an aisle here? It's not because I'm anti-Southern Baptist, It's because I don't want you trusting in the fact that you walk down an aisle, that you prayed a prayer. I want you believing. I want you, when I say, how do you know you're a Christian? Because I have put my faith in the finished work of Christ for my sins. That's why I'm a Christian. Not because why. I prayed to receive Christ and Jesus in my heart when I was eight. That may have been the case. But I want you to trust the gospel, not an experience. I want you to not walk an aisle. I want you to put your faith in what he has done. We must believe and we must be diligent. And here's one more thing. We must be ready. Oh, and what do I mean by that? All right. Where, where do I get? We must be ready. The end of this section, he says this in verses twelve and thirteen. Very famous verse. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him. Underline this phrase: Who, whom we must. Give an account. You will, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords one day. You will be either judged for your sin or you'll be judged for your service. Hopefully it'll be for your service and not your sin. Right? But you will stand before the King. And ain't no hiding at that point. And no pleading, no contest, or, uh, or not guilty. Because everything will be exposed. God will, can judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. He sees. And if you're like, that sounds scary... Yeah, that's why he says, be afraid that some of you are not there for your service and you're there for your sin. Because if you're there for your sin, you will be separated from him forever. If you're there for your service, there'll be reward, there'll be loss in reward, but, but at least there will be eternity with him. But the idea is this, how do I get ready for that day? Because I'm going to be there. And here, I'm going to be judged harder than you. So if that encourages you, great. But I'm going to be judged harder than you, which is why I have to be clear on what God's word says. So I'm not going to shy away from telling you what it says, even if it's hard, because I will be judged harder. But, but the way that we get ready for that, you know how? It's in verse 12. The word of God is living and active. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God pierces the division of soul and spirit. The word of God discerns thoughts and intentions of the heart. How do you get ready for that day? You lay your life on top of the word and you let it expose you like a mirror and you respond to it. Because the word of God... Can, can pick out where you're hiding and faking it. I can't, but the word of God can. And the word of God can change a heart. I can't, I can't change your heart. I can try to argue and intellectually convince you of something. I can't change your heart. Only the word of God can. So the application here to get ready for that day is get in the word. You're like, this is another sermon about reading your Bible. It's not. This is a sermon about finding your rest. And if you're going to find your rest, you read your Bible. <laughs> That's what it is. Right? Not to make you smarter. So I was watching baseball last night with my boys. A pitcher for the Cardinals uh, who I was rooting against because they're playing the Phillies. And, I, you know, it could be, you know, Apostle Paul on the other team and I'll be reading against them. But he had on his glove a verse. I said, what verse is that? I couldn't see. And, 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 and finally I got it clear enough. It said Romans 12 2. I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's awesome. I still want you to lose, but I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you as a brother, because that's, it's the And I felt like that was the verse God, I didn't have a slide for it. I didn't make it, but it, it's, it's the verse that applies this us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind so that you will know what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How do you renew your mind? You get this into it. And y'all, let me be very, just very truthful here. There is no reason for you to not be exposed to the word regularly unless you don't care in our culture. If 500 years ago, yeah, when they didn't have a printing press and they didn't have Bibles in their houses, yeah, you had to go and a guy was speaking in Latin he didn't understand him. Yeah, there was an excuse. There's no excuse for you today. There is apps and versions. You can, you know, you can link, read the Klingon version if you want to of the Bible. There is plethora of resources of reading it to you, reading it in plain English, so the only reason you would not expose yourself to the word of God is if you don't care enough to do it. I'm just leaving you with that. The only reason you would not memorize any verses, Romans 12, two would be a great start, or Hebrews 412 is because you don't care enough to do it. And you can memorize your Taylor Swift, but you can't memorize your Apostle Paul. It just says something about our heart, and it says we're not really ready for that day. And I'm not trying to make you guilty. I'm trying to get you Ready? I want you to find the rest that God offers. I want you to find truth. And he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Study this week, verse 12. Just go through it. There's five or six things it says about the word of God. You pick one of them each day and think about it. The word of God is living. Do that tomorrow. The word of God is active. Do that on Tuesday. The word of God is sharper than to, any 2 or sword. Do that Wednesday. The word of God pierces Thursday. The word of God discerns on Friday. That'll be a well worth week for you in one verse. Let God speak to you for it. Because I want you to be ready. I don't want you to be deceived. I want us all to be in heaven together, finding the rest that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ. And man, I am excited to celebrate baptism with the folks that have come. In first service, we had four. I don't know how many we have this service. I have nothing to do with this. There's other awesome people that have been organizing this. But I think we have five or six people that are coming publicly this morning to say, I found rest in Jesus and I'm going to make that public this morning. So we're going to celebrate with them. And I mean celebrate. All right? This is, not, this is solemn, but it's not somber. And, and Talav will come up and explain kind of baptism in a, in a minute. But hey, this is, it's big. For these folks to come in front of 750, 800 people, significant. Man, I'm, I'm proud of them. I'm thankful for them, for their obedience. And so we're going to celebrate with them this morning. Let me pray. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of reflect a little bit. If, look, if you need to talk to someone, pray with someone, we have folks in the back that will pray with you, that would love to pray with you. If you have questions, man, I don't know if I'm a believer. I don't know. I fell out of car, we'll meet with you, right? Jesus offers rest. It's not elusive unless you reject the only place uh, that you can find it, and that's in him. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Um, I pray that I've been clear. I don't know, Lord. I just trust your spirit. It's a, it's a tough, challenging passage, but I trust that you are drawing men and women to yourself. That they would not harden their hearts today if they hear your voice. It's in Christ's name I pray.